Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Get on the grid, sports grid. I am Gabriel Berenci, and I am on the grid, and obviously you are too if you're checking us out uh, right now. We appreciate uh, you joining us. We are joined by George Kurtz. How you doing, George? I'm doing well, Gabe. Always happy to be here with you. Well, you know what, uh, George? Um, you know, it was uh, instead of March Madness, it's been more a month of uh, March sadness. And, of course, uh, you know, we lost... We lost uh, the NCAA tournament. We've lost regular season hockey, uh, basketball, and everything else. Uh, but, you know, we get another uh, kick in the teeth, another punch in the gut, uh, so to speak, because Major League uh, Baseball would be upon us uh, right now. Um, but we do have some news. Now, when I say news, um, Major League Baseball, they, the owners uh, met. They did a conference call with the players and I like that uh, Major League uh, Baseball says that they want to start on June 1st. As I did, I was unaware, actually. That, I, know, I knew that Rob Manfred was clueless when it comes to investigating cheating scandals, but I didn't know that Rob Manfred had this uh, type of power over a pandemic, uh, George, <laughs> that he was able to wave a wand and state that they're planning on starting uh, June 1st. Now, that's not their official plan, but that's the guideline that they're working on right now that they're hoping uh, that they could pull off uh, right now. And I say that, that's like with an assumption with no fans. Like they're not even considering uh, having fans. So like any plans of playing the games would be with no fans, at least like that's the starting point. Yet uh, Shapiro, who's the president of the Blue Jays, came out, general manager, you know, head of baseball operations, et cetera, came out and said that teams will need one month to get ready again. They'll need another month to get ready for any season. Even if it's a shortened season, they'll still need a month to get ready. So I, you know, I'm hopeful. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's a false hope to believe that baseball will be starting June 1st. Oh, I agree with you. I think July 1st is a much more realistic timetable. Even that, I don't know if it can happen. I mean, you mentioned it's not just baseball players that have to play, but people have to work at the arena, right? I mean, you're going to need workers there. What about when you travel? You're going to need people at hotels. You're going to need people at the airport. You know, I don't know if this could be handled. They're already talking something. They mentioned that teams in New York, be the Yankees and the Mets, they would play their home games not in New York because, once again, there could be an issue there. You know, I watched the interview with Manfred on ESPN last night. And he wouldn't give anything concrete about how many games are going to be played. He did mention doubleheaders. But I think, are they just giving false hope? I know the owners want to make their money, but I can't see June 1st happening. It's not just baseball that they need to to participate. They need so many other things, other people, regular workers. And are they going to get those people to cooperate too and go to work with this virus still rampant? No, you're exactly right. And that's, you know, something a lot of sports fans don't really think of when I tell people, I'm like, guys, to host a sporting event, you need multiple paramedics and ambulances. Just on a normal event, George, people get hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like fans get hurt. Some Someone collapses. Someone has a heart attack. You need, you know, anyone who's been a professional sporting event knows there's law enforcement there, right? That's by law. You can't have 20,000 people in a place and have like one cop, right? So by law, you have to have a certain amount of police officers. And the infrastructure is going to be overwhelmed and too busy uh, for the cops to show up to an Angels athletics game. Um, and, and, you know, and it's a good point too, like different pockets in a country are gonna be worse than others. It doesn't mean there's gonna be a plague everywhere uh, for the rest of eternity, uh, but then what? And then. Are the Yankees and the Mets and these teams just going to start to agree, okay, yeah, we'll play in Arizona? And what about a schedule, too, George? I was thinking about this, and I know me and Mike Blewett talked about this on a podcast a bit, and it's come up on a couple of occasions. Now, think about this. So let's say that they come back. What's the schedule, George? From what I've heard is the schedule is going to be the schedule. They're not going to change what the schedule so is now. how unfair and imbalanced is that? So that's just a roll of the dice right now then, right? You might play the Red Sox and Yankees 17 times. Hey, too bad. I get the Orioles 13 times. Right. That's what, I mean, they can redo it, but the problem is, remember, they got to get arena availability. Maybe that right. arena wasn't available in August because of the Democratic National Convention, whatever the hell is going on. Well, you know, concerts, let's call you know, them stadiums, George, in baseball. We call them stadiums. Uh, <laughs> 
So, but that's going to be an issue as well. That's why, from what I've heard, the schedule is going to be the schedule. But also, you mentioned one thing: you can play one team in an ordinate amount of times, a bad team over a good team, or vice versa. But also, what if you have a twenty home games in the in the second half, and only you're playing forty that's road? What I'm saying, <laughs> are they going to fix that? I mean, these okay, yeah, I'll lose all that money. No, 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 no. Like, and from a competitive balance. I guarantee you, at some point, the general managers are going to say, you know what, F this, screw this, I'm not doing this, we're not playing under this, we're not doing these rules. Like you said, so what, let's say they play 88 games, and what, let's say one team plays, you know, 50 home games out of the 88, and they play 38 on the road only, and then you're the rival, like if you're the St. Louis Cardinals, and let's say you have to play 55 times on the road, and the Cubs are only playing 44 times on the road, I have a major problem with that. I do wonder this. I think they're going to play in the month of October regular season games. So I wonder, obviously, the, there's no schedule for that. They'll have to make that up. I guess that's where they're going to try and, yeah. I guess, get the and accuracy I've back. I've said it now. before, too. Baseball is unique where you can have the playoffs on a neutral field. You know what I mean? Because you can't play baseball. Let's say the Yankees made the World Series. You can't have the World Series November 27th in, in the Bronx. No. You know what I'm saying? But it might be, listen, everyone agrees to this before. We're going to have the World Series in Los Angeles this year. You know, like we're having it where the Angels play. Everyone knows. So it's like college football. Like, this is where we're playing the bowl game. You know, you'll get the same allotment of tickets. If you want to go, make the trip. I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, that's if there's fans at this point in time. Like I said, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But baseball, at least, they're talking. Manford showed up and said something that they're hoping for June 1st. That's not happening, guys. And I also found it interesting that he said that the players have agreed to ex- accelerate the schedule to play more doubleheaders, which they would uh, there would be two doubleheaders a week uh, along the way. So, you know, George, you know, I want baseball, and I'll take anything they give us. But at some point, you know, this thing's really going to be bastardized so much it's going to be a joke. Oh, I agree. It's going to be a weird season. I mean, they're going to have to uh, they got to redo the rules, right? Because we're going to do two doubleheaders a week. I don't think they're going to get that month of uh, spring training. It'll maybe be three weeks somewhere around there. Which means oh, let me to- ask you, George. So let's say you're going to tell the players, oh, yeah, we're doing two doubleheaders a week now. And uh, don't forget the new rule that we just invented that's the stupidest thing ever that a uh, pitcher needs to face three batters, too. And we're going to tax that's and we're, Yeah, no, exactly. If you, you have to say, no, 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 no. We're not going to any of these new rules if we're playing in this weird season like this. Yeah, I would agree. That rule has to be gone. I think rosters would have to be expanded to at least 28 yes. to make yeah. up the double headers to get the pitchers safer. And I think the players could somehow – maybe they want to even hire to go to 30. You know, I would push for 30. Pitchers. I would push for 30 as well, get extra pitchers in there. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to have double headers. Are you Are going to split it up on Wednesday and Sunday? Yeah. And once again, Tuesday, night, Tuesday night, Sunday type thing. Yeah, Wednesday, Sunday. Yeah. It'll be Sundays for sure. But something else that has to become, if you're going to do Sundays, how's ESPN going to handle that? Or, or you know what? It'll be Saturday because it. Sunday's the getaway day. That Yeah, you're right. It'd be, it would be, be better Saturdays. Saturday. It would Fox, be Saturdays. Saturdays at 1, Saturday at nighttime. But then Fox has to agree to that because they have exclusive rights during the season. Oh, yeah. And Fox is also has exclusive rights to Big Ten football that they have on Saturdays that will do a hell of a lot better than baseball will. Yeah. Like, suddenly it just becomes this, man, like, you know, as sports yes. fans, hopefully we get this overload of sports. You know what I mean? Hopefully it's just like it's an overwhelming and there's all these sports back. But, I mean, I got to tell you, um, there's already talk right now, George, of college football being worried. That's September. Well, wouldn't you have to worry more about college football? I mean, you're dealing with younger uh, players, you know, not professionals there. So I can see where the people are, uh, are worried. Listen, I don't know if sports are coming back this year at all, as far as anything. I don't think any- nobody does. We hope it does. No, we don't know. All right, we hope, we hope, I hope it does. I know you hope it does. We all do, but I have no idea. What's going to happen? And for all I know, you're going to have a weekend in September where the NFL opens, college football opens, the Angel Stanley Cup's being played, the NBA championship is being played. Oh, yeah, the Kentucky Derby September 5th now, too. Right. <laughs> Maybe the Masters will be played in September. We don't know. You can have all sorts of events going on all at once because that's what's going to happen. When they do figure this out, everything's going to start at once, and uh, it, it can be completely wild, but nobody knows. No, it's wow, that that's the thing. None of us can predict the future right now. We hope for the best. If we all take care of ourselves the best uh, that we possibly can, we'll get out of this uh, the quicker. Yet the worst is yet to come. 
And there's so many conflicting reports. You know, Trump wants things to be regular by Easter. Uh, that, that's not happening, sir. <laughs> like I'll tell you right now, it's not happening. Um, baseball's major <laughs> waving this wand. Hey, June 1st, please, pandemic, please go away. Uh, June 1st, <laughs> it's like, you know, and college football of all people are suddenly like freaking out because as you just stated, they're like, we can't put a bunch of kids on like a campus and like, what are we going to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and there could be pockets that pop up in other parts of the country six months from now, George, you know what I'm saying? And, and then what? Like there's, we're, we're in uncharted, uh, uncharted uh, waters here, literally and uh, figuratively. Okay, so one thing we know, uh, the NFL draft is going on uh, right now. They're going on as planned. They're going to hold the draft. It's not in Las Vegas anymore. It's not going to be flashy. They're going to do it out of TV studios. Uh, players are going to be at their homes. At least that's the tentative plan uh, right now. So I've enjoyed it. I did a podcast uh, last week, uh, George, and um, I shared some of my favorite Twitter follows. And you know, I was I was talking about you know Rex Chapman and the uh, the Super Seventy Sports uh, site, which is a great one, a lot of fun. That one, um, Spencer Dinwiddie's a great follow on the Brooklyn Nets. If you want to get a little bit more political, and you know, Dinwiddie's not an act like Dinwiddie has opinions on everything. Like you know what I mean? But one thing I found fun is I saw Bradley Beal, a Washington Wizards star. He was like, come on, man, where with Cam Newton? Like, he's talking like a fan. He wanted the Atlanta Falcons to get rid of Matt Ryan and get Cam Newton. And I just and I see a lot of other football players and, and athletes on Twitter right now because they have more time too. And which leads me in to an NFL Twitter beef. And when I saw, when I saw, oh man, um, Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen have a Twitter beef going on. I'm thinking, come on, guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic here. What are you guys arguing about? But it's not like a fight, George. You know what I mean? They were talking about who they think the top five best ever wide receivers are. And you and I are the same. I don't really concern myself with this stuff. Like, I don't panic about MVP awards, you know, the, the, the awards. Unless I'm an agent and I'm getting a cut, what do I care if you win the trophy or not? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, best ever stuff, it's so subjective. But... I do find it interesting when it's actual guys, number one, that are good. Number two, guys that are currently in the league. And number three, guys that played that position. So this isn't like Colin Cowherd that started a best ever wide receiver debate. These are good wide receivers. And Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen. Um, Robbie, and I like how Robbie Anderson gets his name in here. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Anderson say, I got my top five too. So just for the record, Devontae Adams says the best ever five receivers in National Football League history, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison, Calvin Johnson, and Julio Jones. Interesting Ooh. that Devontae Adams, a current player, says that Julio Jones, a, a guy in the league now, is amongst the top five greatest of all time. Keenan Allen of the Chargers agrees on Randy Moss, agrees on Jerry Rice, agrees on Calvin Johnson, goes down a different path, says Terrell Owens and Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, that's my five. I got to tell you, that's not a bad five that Keenan Allen has. I've got the same five as Allen. I've got the same exact five, not in that order that he listed, but the same exact five, Rice, Moss, Owens, Allen, Calvin, uh, and Fitzgerald. Okay, so for the, let's just get Robbie Anderson's list in here for the record. Robbie Anderson, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice. These aren't in order. It's just, you know, top five, uh, five, you're five guys. Moss, Rice. It, Robbie Anderson goes a completely different route here. Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson. That's ridiculous. Chad Johnson was a very, 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 very good player. Nowhere near amongst in the conversation of best ever, George. No. He was entertaining. He was fun for a while with his little antics after the uh, touchdowns and then the golf putts with the uh, goal, uh, the goal foamy things and all that. But he's not top five. I can give him top 20, top 25. Uh, Robbie Anderson gives, um, gives some love for Steve Smith. Steve uh, he's, Smith. He's not someone I considered either. 
Once again, Steve very good. Smith, Steve Smith really, Steve Smith was great, but not like, you know what I mean? He's not amongst the great greats. You know, there's no. a difference here. I don't know if I would have, Steve Smith would have been top five in the NFL at his, uh, just a current NFL place when he played in any one year. Maybe he just barely considers it, gets in there every now and then, but not to, never near the top. It's certainly not a Hall of Fame worthy. Just because he was so respected amongst players. You know, he, he was. He was so tough. Did he fight uh, so many of his own teammates? I know. You know exactly. He wasn't like, come on. You know, Robbie Anderson, your list blows. And he's got Antonio Brown on his list. Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Ocho Cinco, Steve Smith, Antonio Brown. All right, well, I'm throwing that list out. Yeah, I almost don't want to sign Robbie Anderson now if I'm a team. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be like, man, this guy looks up to Antonio Brown and Ocho Cinco too much. I don't know. And Steve Smith, weird, weird list there. So you you say you like Keenan Allen's list. Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, that was the exact same five I have. Not in the order, but the exact same five I had. Fitzgerald was the one that I didn't think anybody would come up with. I think uh, he deserves it. I mean, I give him, and I know he's a great player, but he hasn't always played with the greatest of quarterbacks, especially at the uh, tail end of his career here. Maybe things get better with Kyler Murray now. But he's also always done it the right way. He's never been an I-me guy. Look at me. Look what I did. You know, and I kind of respect, I respect the hell out of him for that. It's amazing the uh, longevity that Larry Fitzgerald has had. And not just longevity, but the elite level that he continues to play at. You know, that, that's what's amazing. You know, he's had a second career. Well, let's say a third and fourth career in the slot as of late. And don't think that having uh, D-Hop there is not going to help Fitz again. Oh, it's definitely going to help Fitz. Kyler Murray, I mean, I like those, uh, those prop bets for him winning MVP. My only thing is, can the Car- I think to win MVP, you got to get into the uh, playoffs. And I don't know even what the extra playoff team at the Cardinals can squeak in there. But I love what that offense is going to do this year. You know, we'll continue, you know. I look at this, and I'm surprised there's a guy that, you know, there's a couple of guys. And for me, listen, it's a tough, this is a tough to, to debate for me. There's a lot of great wide receivers. And let's go with, you know, we're going with the modern era here. Are we even going to get into the 70s, guys? You know, I don't know. Different like, game. When, yeah, when I was a kid, man, Stallworth and, uh, and Swan, man, you know what I mean? Both were pretty awesome receivers. You know who's a guy that's no one talking about? Art Monk, man. Art Monk was damn good, bro, with the Redskins. Isn't Art Monk sort of yesteryear's Larry Fitzgerald? A guy yeah, who got the job yeah. done each and every yeah. year. Didn't bring a lot of uh, histronics to himself. He didn't even notice Yeah, no drama with Art Monk. No drama? What, he, didn't he have that catch thing with so many games in a row? Uh, play with a whole bunch of different quarterbacks, Theismann, Rippin, and uh, stuff like Super that. Won Super Bowls. Right, he won. They were a very good team, yeah. And they weren't a throwing team. You know, they were 50-50 with John Riggins back in the day. Washington was never an air it out, throw it over time. Art Monk, man. The guy would get open, and he'd make the count. He was one of the all-time greats. I'm not saying top five, but I'm saying, you know, when I was thinking of it, I'm like, you know, Art Monk belongs in a conversation at least. Uh- SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The grid, sports grid. I'm on the grid, and I am Gabriel Morenci. We're throwing it down with uh, George Kurtz. So much stuff we were going to get to. Uh, me and Cam did our uh, favorite uh, player by position for hockey, George. I know you'd get excited about that. So, yeah, we, we got to get your team. I don't, we'll do that uh, next time uh, we get together. Uh, or we're going to squeeze it in quickly uh, hereafter. But talking wide receivers right now, as we talked about Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen got a debate going on Twitter, and people are jumping in, um, all, all in on this. And I'll tell you, George, there's no debate about Jerry Rice, right? Jerry Rice is sort of known. He's the Pope of, of NFL wide receivers. Like Jerry, when people, he's the Michael Jordan, so to speak. Like when people say who's the best wide receiver ever, you know, nine out of 10 um, people polled will tell you Jerry Rice, right? Your list starts at Rice and goes down from there. Yeah. You know, that, that's and the way it's I sort of, that. there's a difference too. Like there's Jerry Rice and then it's sort of, there's a couple of steps below and then it begins. And the thing about be- Jerry Rice, the thing about Jerry Rice is, wasn't the strongest guy, wasn't the fastest guy, wasn't, you know what I mean? Sorty was the complete package all around. Yeah, that's, that's what made him so dynamic. I think what's great about Rice is when you, when you do a list like this, if you do it at any position, 
we might argue who the best is at any one position, quarterback, running back, defensive yeah, player, whatever, yeah. but not at wide receiver. I say it's Rice and then everybody else after that. And you mentioned it. He wasn't very fast. He wasn't very strong. He was fluid. He was fluid as all hell, and he played with two outstanding quarterbacks in Montana and Young, yeah. and you can't take anything away from him. I was a Cowboy fan back then, and I hated Jerry Rice. Yeah, you know, he was just – he was going to get open. Like, it was just one of those – it's like, yeah, you're not stopping him, man. Like, double-team him, triple-team him, you know, whatever. Doesn't – you know, he was part of a great team, but it wasn't like, you know, he was a hanger-on. Like, he made them great. Like, you can, like, put it this way. Like, he was the best player on the best team. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, Joe I'll, Montana was great, but there was a debate. Is Joe Montana the greatest ever? Well, he won, but Joe was a small guy, and, you know, there's no debate with Jerry Rice. Like, he was the best player on the best team. You could argue, though, at the positions. Ronnie Lott might be the best safety of all time. Yes. He very Joe well Montana, might. probably, you know, best quarterback of all time. I'd give the nod to Brady, but um, I don't have a problem with it. I had Montana number one before Brady did what he did. I know it's getting a little, little off topic, but if you were taking a quarterback today, from, from the start of his career, anybody quarterback in history, you think at the start of his career, just have your team, Gabe Marinci owns a team, what quarterback are you drafting? Would, would Tom Brady be that guy you would draft an, immo an immobile quarterback? No. It wouldn't be mine either. No, I mean, I... it wouldn't be. I would, I, as far as today's quarterback, I'd probably no. want Aaron Rodgers, a guy who's mobile, can get out of the pocket. I hate to be such a Johnny come lately, but I'll go on Mahomes. <laughs> okay, I can't argue that either. Yeah, yeah I'm saying. Right. Uh, Brett yeah, Favre would be he could move. Yeah. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't be Tom. And I love Tom. I don't love him, but I have all the respect in the world. Yeah, but Tom. that's the thing. All these guys, like Tom Brady, you know, was a skinny dude, showed up in a combine, goes in the sixth round. And it's a good point. Like, if you look at Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley Delta State type thing, you know what I mean? If Jerry Rice was at the combine in this year's combine, in this year's draft, and the deepest ever wide receiver, Jerry Rice would probably be ranked 15th on their board, right. George. 17th. fourth round. They'd be like, oh, he's nowhere near as fast as this kid from Alabama. Look, he's not as strong as this guy. Oh, I didn't do a great 40 at the Combine. Ah, he went to Mississippi Valley Delta State. <laughs> um, we'll go down the list. They would be wrong again, George. They'd make the same mistake again on these guys. I completely agree with you. 100% agree with you they wouldn't get this right because they look at these guys, right. they look at speed. They look at speed, size, how big you are, how fast is always a huge thing. Oh, he runs the 4-3-40. We want him. You know, and they don't realize that, that talent doesn't always equate to that. Okay, it's not so, like you see Olympic sprinters playing uh, wide receiver in football. This is why, and I don't care, because I know, and this, it's, it's tough for me to make the list, and I don't care because people are just, ah, you're nuts with this one. But I'm surprised you didn't, he didn't get more love from you. And I was looking at lists. I'm not going to lie. I was looking before overnight and stuff. Let's see how different what people are saying. That was I. And I was surprised to see... Michael Irvin as low on some lists, like 13, 17, 19, in the teens. He seems to be in the teens quite a bit. And I got to tell you, if I got a big football game and I one of my wide receivers, I've got no problem. Like, I'll line Michael Irvin up next to Jerry Rice. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, Michael Irvin's one of the all-time greats. Not getting enough love here. And a guy that's a perfect example uh, at you know, and when he came into the NFL, some NFL guy told him, "You're not NFL fast." You know, that's you know, you're, you're it's a problem. You don't have you're not NFL fast. And Michael Irvin told him, "I might not be NFL fast, but I'm football fast." And he talked about like being fast at the combine and stuff. Yeah, Michael Irvin's speed was never a problem on the field. Got open a hell of a lot against fast guys. Won everywhere he was. Great, great wide receiver. Like, dude, I'm a Bills fan. Like, I have nightmares about Michael Irvin. Like, going up and just taunting us. You know what I mean? Like, the dude was unstoppable, George. Michael Irvin understood the game of football. How to play wide receiver. How to use his body. Great football IQ. You're right. I mean, yes, he pushed off. He knew how to do that and get away with it. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Uh, he was great and at he that. He was you're, one of the first ones to call. Like, now he started the old, come on, that's pass interference after every play that he didn't get to get the ball to catch, right? Yeah. And he made a living out of that. He, he did. Uh, he right, he was football fast, not fast, fast. He wasn't going to blow up, blow by the cornerback, blow by the safety, but he knew how to run his routes. He knew where to, where to get where he had to go, and he knew how to use his size and his speed. And he was such a great leader. A uh, great leader for that team back in the uh, the 90s. I love Michael Irvin. One of my favorite players ever. Uh, I, I don't have a top five. I don't think you could quite consider him over the guys we've mentioned here. No, I have eight that's the overall. Thing. I have top ten. Number eight. I'll tell you, I've got a guy that you didn't bring up that, it's to me, it's not debatable. And I don't think he gets his just due because he doesn't talk a lot. He's not in the media. And now the only time you ever hear about him is – when someone says, oh, my God, Marvin Harrison threatened to crash my, crack my skull with a baseball bat. <laughs> or, or you hear a story about some guy walks into the Philly police station and says, Marvin Harrison's trying to kill me. <laughs> right? Like, like Marvin Harrison. And it's funny because remember at the time, Michael Irvin was the guy with the hookers. And remember, you know, the White House. They, the Dallas Cowboys had a house called the White House. Uh, it was called the White House because of all the if cocaine. If they were back in the 90s, man, if there was social media back in the 90s, the Cowboys would have dominated this for what yeah. they would do. They, they would have been suspended because they would have been like, yeah, they would have been caught. Uh, yeah, so they, the Cowboys used to party their asses off, and everyone knew it. They didn't hide it. Everyone knew it. Hey, yeah, yeah, we do blow, and we're gonna still going to beat you. Like, they loved it. They were like the modern-day Raiders type of thing. I, I Mike Michael Urban. I, I heard an interview. I'm a big Michael Urban fan, so I heard an interview with him. I just like his honesty. I like I love his interviews and stuff. And uh, someone said, Michael, I'm a big fan of yours. He was taking calls, like type thing. And he's like, Michael, I'm a big fan of yours, but you know, I just don't. I always, I just wonder if you didn't drink and do drugs like you did, like how much more of a success could you have been? And Urban sort of pauses and he goes, I've made mistakes in my life. And he goes, you know, I'm not the perfect person. But he goes, as far as football is concerned, he's basically stating, yeah, yeah I'm not great. I've cheated on my wife. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, as far as football is concerned, he goes, I really don't know. He goes, I won a national championship and, th and three Super Bowls. He goes, I don't really know how much more of a success I could have been. <laughs> he raised a very good point. Like, he's at the top of the chain. But to me, Marvin Harrison's a top five all-time wide receiver. Like, how, I, how can you like, – how is he not, bro? How is he not? I mean, uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't even have him in my top ten. He's just outside my top ten. There, how was, is that? It might, maybe because bias was everything that's happened uh, that he might have done, has been accused of. Uh, no, it, could be it doesn't change anything. Head. I agree. I agree. And he's never been charged with anything. So what? He's a, you better pay your rent on time. Like, if your wife, you don't know the story, Marvin Harrison owns like apartments. He's poorly from Goodfellas. F you yeah. pay me. Yeah, he owns apartment buildings, and he's old school. Like he shows up with a baseball bat if you don't have his rent. <laughs> like for real, there's like a video of Marvin Harrison with a bat saying, "Where's the rent?" Like, um, and he also owns a car wash. That's sort of like out of the, the TV show Breaking Bad that people are like, I don't know what goes on in that car wash, but some weird stuff's coming out of there. And like basically like Marvin Harrison like might have shot someone or right. threatened to kill someone and whatever. Whatever it is, Harrison's died. He's chilled out a bit because he hasn't been in the news for a couple of years. But I was going to say, he had the squeaky clean rep, George, right at the time, him and Peyton Manning. Yeah, and then it, it all fell fell to crap as soon as he left the NFL. Funny how that works out, right? When the the, the, the machine's not working for you anymore, and uh, I, I well, what it is, what it I, is, is if if people people don't talk, they think they're a class act. It's like, well, he's not. He doesn't rock the boat. He doesn't say anything. Marvin Harrison never spoke, but it doesn't mean that he still didn't want to kill you. Like I say this about one of my favorite guys, Kawhi Leonard. People are like, Kawhi Leonard's so cool. He never says anything bad about anyone. It's like, because, yeah, he doesn't talk, but it doesn't mean he's the nicest guy in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were talking about the other day, Eddie Murray never spoke. Eddie Murray hates everybody. <laughs> what, what's the, don't we always see it in the newspapers when you read about uh, something happening in the neighborhood? Oh, he was quiet. Well, it's the quiet ones you got to watch, right? It's yeah, the old exactly. thing. Yeah. You're right. It's always, I'm always shy. He was so quiet. He never said anything to anyone. I can't believe he did this. Yeah, exactly. He hated you all.
<laughs> That's why I never talked to you. Yeah, I think with Marvin, uh, nobody that might uh, go against Harrison. Once again, uh, not his fault. Live receivers are the same thing as he played in a pass happy offense, right? Uh, Banny throwing the ball all over the place. Uh, yeah, but were they a pass? They were a pass heavy, um, pass heavy offense because he was so good. Yeah. All right, listen, I, I don't think it's Marvin Harrison. Listen, he's number, I think, 12 for me, 12 on my list. But uh, I don't think I get considered top five. I think, I mean, once again, Morris, Rice, Jones. Who are you taking out? Cal, are you taking Larry Fitzgerald out, I guess? Yes. I'm taking Calvin Johnson out. I'm not taking Calvin Johnson out. I'm not going to. The only thing I penalized he against him. He didn't play long enough. I'm going to punish okay. him for that. All right. And I, I, I do agree with that. I do think you saw a player should I'm be penalized. I'm going to punish. You can't be. You're great. But, yeah, I'm going to go with some of these other guys. Like, even T.O., even Terrell Owens. T.O. played in the Super Bowl on one leg. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's guys, like, T.O. would have played, and, like, I'm not, listen, I don't judge Calvin Johnson for walking away. I'd say suck it to the Detroit Lions, too, if I was a Detroit Lion. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a, there's a pattern here between him and Barry Sanders. You know what I'm saying? There is. But, um, but I can't make him top five because of it. And I, listen, I don't uh, blame you for that because I know I penalize players as well. Well, one of the most important abilities, availability. And if you don't want to play, well, then you're not available. And there's something to be said for that. I don't believe Terrell Davis should be in the Hall of Fame in football because I he didn't know, play yeah. long enough. What about Kurt Warner then? Kurt Warner, like. I'm 50 50. Kurt Warner, an NFL Hall of Famer? Yeah. Put not. it this way if he wasn't such a nice guy and the big religious guy that he is, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Like if Kurt Warner's a jerk. Now, Kurt Warner is a nice guy. He's likable, right? He is likable. If he's a jerk, he's not in the Hall of Fame. I would agree, because he, he's that those kind of numbers where it's borderline numbers, maybe Hall of Fame, maybe not. In my mind, whenever it's maybe, then it's not. I just want to say this for Marvin Harrison uh, here. Uh, ranks fifth in NFL history in receptions with 1,102. Um Receiving touchdowns, 128 NFL season, single season record of 143 catches. NFL record, eight straight seasons with 100, uh, with 1,000 plus uh, yards and 10 plus uh, touchdowns. Super Bowl champion, four straight years of 100 receptions. Second most all time, eight straight 1,000 yard seasons. Third longest streak all time by a wide receiver, eight straight Pro Bowls. Uh, tied for fourth in NFL history amongst uh, NFLs and Pro Bowls. Dude, like, I could go on. Marvin Harris is a top five wide receiver. I'm putting my foot down, Kurtz, on this one. I'm not taking fits. Otherwise, out. we're coming. I'm coming with Marvin to your house then. <laughs> well, I'm telling then, he, then he's in. If you can come to Marvin, my house, he's Marvin. in. No Let problem. Me go on Twitter right now at Marvin Harrison, <laughs> doing show with George Kurtz. He says you <laughs> suck. He says you suck. You don't belong. But I don't know your rent. I don't know your rent, Marvin. I paid. I'm good. <laughs> Says yeah, Kurtz, Long Island, New York. <laughs> I'm gonna like punch it in. <laughs> Did you know all those numbers? I listen. I know you know Marvin Harrison. I know you watch Marvin Harrison. But when you hear those numbers, it's like damn, pretty impressive. But we get very receiver. We're talking about here. We're gonna have numbers like that. Everyone. No, 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 no. Come on, Fitzgerald is up there in all those numbers too. Maybe not the touchdowns. You know, but every, every other number, he hasn't Fitzgerald played. Fitzgerald doesn't belong. Harrison's better than Fitzgerald. I think I'm drafting Fitzgerald. Harrison was unstoppable. He was, I'm not saying I wouldn't want him on my team. I would. But top five, I think I'd rather have, I don't think I had Fitzgerald over him. And I certainly had Calvin Johnson over him. And so, it's interesting. Marvin Harrison made the all-NFL team. Remember last year they just did this recently? Yes, yes. He's on the list. The, for the record, it's Jerry Rice, Raymond Barry, uh, Don Hudson. Uh, Paul Warfield, Lance Allworth, Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, Steve Largent. Ah, Steve Largent. It's a little bit of a reach. It is. Marvin Harrison, Elroy Hirsch. I remember, like, people were flipping out. They didn't, like, give respect to the old guys. I remember people were bitching. They were like, there's no way Paul Warfield, Lance Allworth's better than Julio Jones. What about Julio Jones? Like, what, what do you think of that? Like, they, out of the modern guys, does he belong? He seems he, to be the modern guy that NFL wide receivers look up to. I don't think, I think Hopkins five. is better than Jones. I like Hopkins better. I think Hopkins is the best receiver in the NFL. I no argue with you. I think when I was thinking top three wide receivers in the NFL right now, I'm talking about this with Mike Blewett, Jones didn't come up for me. You know, so I don't know if I'd put Jones. He's top five easy, but Who's he's hurt all the time. 
Hopkins, Michael Thomas. Uh, Devontae Adams. You got Devontae Adams, huh? I like, I like Devontae Adams. I mean, he's available. Once again, I mean, Jones he's is tough. hurt every year. He's always got the heel. Always got the foot injury. He always wants to play. That annoys the hell out of me. Not that, not that it's his fault. Jones not saying doesn't he's make big catches. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have that feather in the cap. Like, I remember that touchdown. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, T.O. had that touchdown in the playoffs against the Packers. Boom. Makes the catch. Gets nailed. Hangs on to the ball. Dude, the Philadelphia Eagles have never win the damn Super Bowl. Julio Jones doesn't fall down on the fourth down. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't was, catch touchdowns at all. Jones doesn't catch touchdowns at all. May not be his fault. Maybe that's not the average. Maybe Ryan doesn't look for him. But he doesn't catch touchdowns at all. So I can't, I can't have him in this conversation. No, I can have him for the NFL, but current NFL, but not top five. All right, so I'm going to go Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison. Um, it's tough. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get on the grid. Sports Grid. I am Gabriel Berenzi, but you already know that. But let's welcome our guest right now, Matt Merchel of the Orlando a Sentinel. Let's talk some college uh, football. You know, the other day we were very excited. We saw FanDuel posting some numbers. And uh, this is as early as you're going to get. Normally you get point spreads in like June for college uh, football. And we're, we're all sort of under the assumption that, well, everything's going to be fine by the time fall uh, comes around. Yet, and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I know you talk to a lot of coaches, uh, Matt. You talk to ADs, you talk to coaches, etc. And they're, they're talking about this. I saw Bronco Mendel talking about a potential, yeah, we're, we're prepping for maybe a partial season. Mac Brown says it's a distinct possibility. Um, I read Dennis Dodd wrote a, a great article, and he interviewed, um, I want to get the name right uh, here, uh, Warren Zola. Uh, Warren Zola, a respected expert on sports law and executive director of Boston College Carroll School of Management, says, I'm not trying to be overly pessimistic, but I'm doubtful we're even going to have a 2020 football season. NFL or college, and I don't want to be the Grim Reaper here, Matt, but what are you hearing when you talk to people? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of concern, you know, when it comes to looking forward to the idea of kicking things off uh, the start of September, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, because for these coaches, for these players, they don't know what's going to happen over the, over the next couple weeks, the next couple months, to be honest with you, whether or not we're going to get back to some sense of normalcy, you know, in April or May. Um, we know, obviously, the spring camps are all canceled they're not doing taking part in any of that coaches have told me it takes time to get players into shape get them back to ready to get things going um you know brian kelly i know last night uh, said that you know if they don't get kicking things off on july 1st if they don't get back to normalcy on july 1st he's not sure this is going to happen and and you know I, I think a lot of coaches and ad's are feeling that way they don't want to be doom and gloom don't get me wrong but they also realize that they have no control over this. They don't know when things are going to get back to things. And I, I think that's got to be a concern. You know, Mac Brown talked about, will this be a case where maybe, you know, we play the full season or maybe we just play conference games. Maybe they eliminate that early part of the schedule with a non-conference and you go with the, with the conference games. Either way, whatever happens in this situation, if we don't get back to some normalcy, I, I think you're going to see this really have a direct financial impact on a lot of these schools, a lot of these programs. A massive financial impact. And, Listen, it's not like the NBA, you know, doesn't want to have fans in the building. But financially, Matt, it's pocket change to them. You know what I mean? It's an arena. They have such big TV contracts. College football, I understand the TV revenue is big, but at the same point in time, explain to the viewers, it is such a gate-driven revenue situation. Talking about selling 100,000 tickets. If Michigan doesn't sell 100,000 tickets six, seven times in a year, how much money is that? You know, $100 million, $150, like, you know, from, from the university standpoint. And let's be real, Matt. How do you put 100,000 fans on a hot day in Mississippi in September together in a stadium? I'm just yeah. saying, like, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're not doctors, Matt, but I'm just being realistic. Like, if we play, I think there's a distinct possibility. There's no fans even if we play. Yeah, I would think that's probably true. I think early on, especially, I think you're not going to see a lot of fans. And I also think, too, even if they open the gates to fans in, let's not forget, there are going to be some people who can be very leery about the idea 
of spending an afternoon, a Saturday afternoon with 100,000 other people around them. They may not want to go back to stadiums like that, especially now the fact that you can watch most games on television. You can watch everything through streaming sites. You can do all that now. It's not like you have to be there in person and not be able to see it. So I think that's going to be interesting. You're right about the financial impact. Listen, you know, over 80% of the football programs or, or, or schools across the country, their athletic department revenue is based on the football money. It's based on what they generate from the football money. It's the power that drives the economic bus for these programs. So if you don't have that financial impact coming in, that money coming in, that kind of trickles down to everywhere else. That could also mean that schools have to eventually end up cutting non-revenue generating sports. You know, most of the sports that colleges have on, on campus aren't revenue generating sports. They're based, they hope they lean on the help of, of football. So if they don't have football, that's going to be a big, huge impact. So I, I think those are things that if, if we get to the point where we're talking about canceling the season or even canceling part of it, it's going to have a very deep trickle down effect. Guys, to put it in perspective, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, their athletic budget is $176 million a year. That's to fund everything, to fund all the sports. Uh, the football team brings in $141 million of it. <laughs> so, like, uh, I, think, I, think, I think we just we sort of just uh, answered uh, the question for ourselves. So business is going on, though, and I see teams are going about their business as far as recruiting uh, is concerned. It's a unique situation, and it's funny, Matt. So you you have, and that's one of the favorite things of this gig that I have. I love talking to coaches. I just love like picking their brains and, you know, even off, off the air and just getting, you know, stories, et cetera. And you and I both know a lot of these old coaches, they freaking hate social media, man. <laughs> they don't know what Twitter is. What's that Twitter stuff? I don't know. And they're not lying, right? Facebook, Facebook, what? Yeah, my wife, I sort of see her on. I don't really know much about it. TikTok, they are TikTok. They think it's a breath mint. Nowadays, coaches, they don't have a choice. They're going to have to talk to kids. They can't go to the kitchen right now. They don't have a choice but to get on FaceTime and talk to players. Yeah, very much so. You know, it's funny, Mac Brown talked about this. You know, that he spent more time on Zoom the last couple of weeks than he has with his wife. You know, I mean, it's just, and, and a lot of these guys, especially their assistant coaches, they don't understand what this, you know, what the video conferencing apps are. They're not used to using that sort of thing. So they've had to do a lot of training and catching up you know, and, and FaceTiming with their players. But I think in the long run, this is going to kind of benefit them because in some ways they're catching up with some of the, the age kind of separation with the players. They're able to connect with their players now face-to-face. -face. And I think that's something that a lot of coaches and ADs have told me has been very important, especially for the, the mental aspect of everything. They want to be able to make sure that their players understand Listen, I'm here. You can see me. I can see you. If you're struggling, let me know. If I'm, you know, I think that's what's what's going on. But it's it's funny, as you said, to hear these coaches talk about, you know, dealing with social media. I talked to the Florida State strength and conditioning coach yesterday, who told me that he uses social media to try to kind of see what his his players are doing. What are they doing working out? What kind of yeah. things are they doing? And he said that's great. That helps motivate not only himself, but it motivates his teammates because they see them on there doing things. They're not going to be lazy. So I think. All in all, we're seeing because of this kind of side effect of, of this kind of self-isolation is the fact that more and more people are turning to technology to help kind of benefit themselves. So, you know, coaches are in a unique situation. They're aware, they're realists, but at the same point in time, they also, they're preparing, they're, they're, they've done their recruiting, et cetera. Uh, the commitments are starting to come in uh, right now. What stood out to you? What's a program, let's say, Let's say, you know, forget we're in a perfect world right now. We're playing football. Everything's great. You know, I was looking at the odds uh, of FanDuel and Clemson. It's basically Clemson, Ohio State, Bama, and then there's a drop-off to everyone else. And can Bama just keep the, you know, are, are the wheels just going to keep moving for Alabama right now? Ohio State seems to me like the power that's knocking on the door ready to win a championship. Do you get that feeling right now? Yeah, I do. I, I think those are the those are the four or five right now that are really at the top of, of their game right now. You look talked about Alabama, obviously, what they've been able to do. Clemson has been just there right as well. You know, Ohio State continued with Ryan Day. They just haven't missed a beat even with Urban Meyer's retirement. You know, they every player is better, Matt. It bothers me. <laughs> I'm a Michigan fan. I'll never forget. I'm a, I'm a lifelong Michigan fan. And I never root for players to get hurt. I'm not that guy. I, I, I like all players. I respect everybody. But in the Michigan-Ohio State game, all right, JT Barrett goes down. I didn't want the kid to be hurt, but I was like, you know what? Finally, they have some bad luck when they play us. Took me one pass, Matt. 
one pass to see Dwayne Haskins, I'm like, oh my God, this kid's better. And then it's like Haskins is gone and Fields is better than Haskins. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything. What's amazing to me, and I think a lot of people, especially older fans, understand this, is it used to be when, when players would take the time off in the summertime, they would go to jobs or do things like that or, or stay home and rest. These guys aren't doing that now. This is a 365-day-a-year career for these players. So the younger guys who are coming in behind some of these older guys, they've spent months and months and months working with quarterback coaches. They've been going to camps. They've been trying to you know, get better and better. So when a coach gets a freshman on his staff, uh, on his roster, these guys aren't technically freshmen. They've been playing football for so long, they're almost like walking in as a junior, senior. That's how you saw Fields, who everyone talked about. He stepped right away, got in there, and played so well. I think you're going to see that more and more with a lot of these players. Is They're not just taking time off and, and, and being happy with what they're at. They want to continue to improve and get better. They see what, what kind of payoff that will get. That's why you're seeing guys behind that. And, and programs like Ohio State get richer every year. They continue to find guys, whether through the transfer portal or recruiting, who are able to step up and fill those roles. You know, that's amazing to me, too, about college football. We always get locked into the year before, right? You know, I remember, you know, the Florida Gators, the powerful team. Oh, they're never going to lose. Boom, they lose, right? Every, every time you think that team is invincible or a player, you want to hand a player uh, the Heisman. Like a great example is so Justin Fields, the Heisman favorite, going along with Trevor Lawrence. But how many times have you seen, Matt, a kid come out of nowhere and he's the new it guy in college football, right? I mean, look, yeah. it was, what, 13 months ago, teams, Trevor Lawrence could start in the NFL right now, right? <laughs> teams would tank right now for Trevor Lawrence. Suddenly, Joe Burrow's the it guy, right? Things change yeah. fast in college football, don't they? You're the big man on campus till you're not. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I think a lot, too, is you're seeing coaches spending more time bringing in good quality assistance to help out. That was Joe Burrow. If you told me 15 yeah. months ago that Joe Burrow was going to win the Heisman and they were going to win the national championship, I would have been like laughing at you because I said, there's no way. You know Joe who Burrow told me, Matt? You know, I swear who told me? Phil Steele. Really? I swear. We had Phil Steele on the show. It was like last August. I said, Phil, Heisman, it's always someone that comes out of nowhere to wins the Heisman. I said, who do we look at this year? He said, Gabe, you know, people are going to laugh. Exactly what he said. He goes, people are going to laugh. He goes, Joe Burrow's 200 to 1 to win the Heisman. And Phil Steele says, watch out for LSU. They're going to surprise people this year. And that's why he's Phil Steele, right? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, and you said, then look what happened to Joe Burrow. He got better because they knew yeah. the system worked for him. That's what happens. You see these guys that come in there and they just kind of click with somebody. Johnny Manziel, whoever it is, they come in and they click with whatever the coaching staff is. They figure out how to utilize that guy, and then all of a sudden they, they come out. So I've never been a big believer of whoever the favorite is going in, you know, in July is going to be the guy who wins it all because I think there's just too much stuff goes on in this game to really kind of make that happen. That's why I never vote for the Heisman until it's the very last moment because you know things can change at the very, you know, things can change that rapidly. So on Twitter, I saw you've been uh, you've been writing a lot about Florida State as of late talking FSU, and I think it's, it's an exciting time, isn't it, in the state of Florida for college football uh, right now, in which Florida State feels, it, it has that feel that they got their guy. You know, we don't know yet, but it just has that feel, all right, they've got their guy right now. Norvell's all business. He's been successful. Seems like a good fit uh, for the school. I love, I've always been a big Dan Mullen guy. You know what I mean? I, I think Dan Mullen's a great coach. I think Florida are knocking on the door in a potential playoff team this year. I think I think they're that good. And if on the Miami Hurricanes, I'm very excited about the quarterback. We're talking about quarterbacks and situations uh, right now uh, with, with De'Ara King. Talk to me about the state of Florida and these, these football teams right now. Yeah, the state of Florida has been really well right now when it comes to football. And I think there's a lot of you know, excitement and anticipation. You mentioned Dan Mullen in Florida. I agree with you. I think this is the year. I think they beat Georgia. I think they get themselves into that discussion about being – maybe into the semifinals, the college football playoff semifinals. Yeah. You look at what Mike Norvell's done. He's the guy who's had success at other places he's been at, specifically Memphis the last couple of years. He's got a lot of talent now around him, um, a lot of enthusiasm. His coaching staff is really well put together. I think they can make a strong comeback this year. You mentioned Manny Diaz. I think this is a make-or-break year for Manny Diaz. I, there's a lot of, I hate to say that in year two, but yeah. there was a lot of expectation last year. They really fell short. But he brings in a guy like De'Eric King. He brings in a, a guy like Quincy Roche, who was the uh, American Athletic Conference Defender of the Year last year as a transfer. That was huge for them. This is a program, I think, right now that's on the cusp as well. 
And then you look around. UCF in our backyard here, which is obviously has done some things over the last couple of years, they continue to be stronger. USF brings in, you know, a guy like Jeff Scott from Clemson, who's really looking forward to kind of maybe resurrecting that program. So all around the state, I think there are these programs right now that are just right there, ready and ripe to, to have some sort of success. And I think a lot of that is, is because of the coaching, and a lot of it is because of the talent that is here in the state of Florida. These schools now are keeping these kids here, whereas maybe about five or six years ago, these kids would want to go to Ohio State, the Michigans, the Penn States, maybe out west to the Pac-12, maybe somewhere to Oklahoma. Now they're staying put, and they want to stay for some of these coaches. And I always tell people this. We'll have about uh, three minutes, and I'm really uh, enjoying talking college football with you, Matt. Um, I always tell people this. Like, if you're Florida, it's better if Florida State is good, too. It's better if Miami is good, too. I always tell people, what's across the street from, from a gas station? Another gas station. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it leads, like you said, if everyone sucks, and for a couple of years, it kind of got flat, you know, in Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If everyone's bad, then the kids are like, ah, I don't care about playing in that FSU Miami game. That's not a game of century anymore. I'm going to LSU. No, no, Saban called me. I'm going to, I'm going to Alabama. I'm getting out of state. I'm going to Georgia. I'm going across the state line here. I'm going to Georgia. But if, if suddenly one team is good, then the other team is good, then that rivalry is back. It's on TV. It leads to recruiting. I think the competition is good. I think if one of them gets better, it helps the other ones. I really believe that. Yeah, very much so. I think that's true. You know, it used to be growing up here, like a lot of states, like Texas and, and California, you know, a kid would grow up and he would be think, I'm going to Florida, I'm going to Florida State, or I'm going to Miami. Yeah, it Those was dead choices. set, right? Yeah, and it was dead set, right? Or your dad went there or whatever was going on. Now they and pick and happens, choose who's better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much so. But but I think having those teams be good, it's, it's so good for the state of Florida. I think you're seeing so much excitement there. You know, I remember those, I've covered those Florida State-Miami games. Those were great games. I covered some of the Florida FSU games, great games. You know, things that fans really kind of were on their seats about. We haven't had that for a couple of years now, but I think it's going to get back to being there. I think that's good for recruiting. I think it's good for the state. And like I said, I think it keeps the kids here because we've had a lot of talented playmakers here who went off somewhere else. And I've talked to some coaches here in the state who just lamented on the fact that they lost those kids because that's the talent they could have had here and should have had here, but things weren't necessarily going as well as they could have been going. And, you know, they say there's certain markets that they say, you know, the, the NBA is stronger if the Knicks are good. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? They're better, they're stronger if the Lakers are good. College football, to me, Florida is such a big part of it. I almost, I miss it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I still, I still embrace it. I love the rivalry still, the intensity and the passion. Uh, but, you know, I think it could be big things ahead for the state of Florida coming up this year, especially uh, the Florida Gators. Uh, Matt, it's been a, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be in us. Look forward to talking college football with you again, man. No problem. Thank you. Stay safe, okay? There's uh, Matt Merchell uh, with us. Orlando said it all. Get on the grid, sports grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.